We wish to acknowledge the traditional caretakers of the land we record this podcast on, the Yuggera people and their continued connection to the land and waterways of Yuggera country. We pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging and to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. Hello and welcome to the Sports Social, bringing you sports chats for everybody. Libby is still on maternity leave, so we are going to bring you another sports shorts. And this time today, it's slightly different. Like all industries, sport is something that evolves and changes over time. So what we wanted to do today is talk to someone who's at the forefront of changing technology and specifically someone who can talk about how technology changes our daily lives. Her name is Michelle Reeves. She is the co-founder and CEO of Mavion, a global fashion and Web3 platform. Forbes recently described her as the queen of crypto. She was named on the power list in Marie Claire alongside Lizzo and Serena Williams for her innovation in tech. And she's worked with brands like the Super Bowl, World Cup Rugby and the Australian Open. She also has a podcast, What's Now, where she talks to some of the world's biggest brands and artists about where the world of Web3 is taking their businesses. So what does this have to do with the world of sport? Michelle is someone who intimately understands and anticipates how technology can change sport. She was actually part of the team that convinced Roger Federer and Tiger Woods to set up their own Facebook accounts back in 2007. So when she started talking about the idea that NFTs were going to impact sport, I absolutely wanted to know more. Michelle, thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Before we talk Web3 technology, can you explain to me what an NFT is? The short answer is yes. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) The long answer is going to take about two minutes. Great. I'm ready. I'm listening. Okay. So firstly, NFT stands for non-fungible token. And of course, everyone is like, what the F? We've never heard this word before. So let's just break down really quickly. Fungible means something that is transferable. So let's say we have two $1 coins. We could give those to each other, mix it up, put them in a jar. It doesn't matter who picks out which $1 coin. It has the same value no matter who is holding it. But non-fungible means it's not transferable. It doesn't have the same value to each owner. So let's look at our cell phones. We both have cell phones. It's a cell phone. It makes calls. But would we want to mix ours up and take each other's phone? No way. So they're they're non-fungible. They only have value to the real owner who can unlock its potential and extract the value they need from it. So those are non-fungible objects, physical things. An NFT is a non-fungible token. Great. What the hell is a token? (laughs) Helpful. (laughs) So a token is anything that can be digitized. Think of it as a JPEG. It could be a QR code, a confirmation code, a music file, an audio file. Anything that can exist digitally can become an NFT. So then what do NFTs have to do with Web3? So NFTs could never exist in our current Web2 internet because Web3 is built on blockchain. The easiest way to think of blockchain is it's like a truth serum. Things can only go onto blockchain once they're verified and authenticated. You can't just make something up like you would on our current internet. I can go create a website and put anything I want out there about myself. I can go to LinkedIn. I can say that I'm the CEO of all kinds of companies. I can just make that up. But on blockchain, it's only information that is verified. And once it's on there, it can never be deleted. It can't be edited and it can't be copied. So you have this truth serum that NFTs exist from. 
And because of that, we have this powerful verification token that really unlocks abilities to verify and authenticate all kinds of products, services, experiences, and uh, different use cases, particularly in sports. Okay. I think I get it. Can Web 2 exist alongside Web 3 or we're all eventually going to evolve into Web 3? Really good question. Web 2 is super helpful for things like commerce. We don't need blockchain to just go grocery shopping. But we do need blockchain if you want to prove its provenance of where those groceries came from. You know, right now we can read about our produce coming from a local farm. We have to take their word for it. But in blockchain, we will see without a question where that produce really came from and when it was grown, by who, how it was shipped. And so you have this truth in the origin of products. So you can still have Web2 without blockchain, but blockchain just adds this new dimension of truth to everything that we're doing. Okay. So that all makes sense. And I can understand it from a groceries perspective, but what does that actually mean in a sporting context? All right. So let's talk about that token and what it could be. Um, Right now it could be a ticket instead of a paper ticket. That token can be digital and verify authenticity, which from a very basic level protects the consumer from fake tickets and scams. But it could do so much more than that. Imagine that ticket isn't just your seat at the game, but it also has a QR code in it. And that QR code gets you exclusive access to sit in the owner's box. And then that same NFT can unlock things like a confirmation code because the team that you were supporting last week just made it to the finals. And now through that NFT, they've updated that QR code to a confirmation code for a plane ticket. And now you've got a seat on the plane to go watch your team play in the finals. And it can keep updating and enhancing the fan experience uh, authentically without having to worry about security risk, loss, uh, counterfeit. It can find the truthful owner instantly through blockchain. All right. So it's a, it can be a ticket that's unlocking new benefits. What else can it be? All right. Think about fans. Okay. Fans love their team. You follow it for decades, generations even. And You want to be as close to the action as you can. But right now in a very analog physical world, only so many people could go and visit the locker room or get a tour on field or meet their favorite player. Um, You can only buy so many jerseys. What if you could get closer to the things you love with your team, like co-creating next season's jersey. Like we want to embrace fans and give them this sense of ownership. The idea that a team could say, all right, everyone, public call for anyone who wants to design next year's jersey. All you need is a Wi-Fi. You don't need to have any expertise. Submit your design. We're going to choose one through community voting. And that one is going to be actually put into production. The team will wear it and you, the designer, will share in the revenue royalties from every sale. Nothing says I love you to a fan, like bringing you to the other side of the table of how the team is operating and representing itself. Yeah, I think when you ask someone's opinion about their team and if their opinion is taken on board and all of a sudden they're part of that process, that's so empowering. And all of a sudden you've created a super fan who is so engaged with your club. What does it mean for areas like memorabilia? Oh, fantastic for memorabilia. Right now, you've got all kinds of assets out there for the 
individual collector, maybe you've picked it up at a, a one-off auction um, and you've loved it, but maybe at some point you do want to trade it or sell it. Right now, if, unless you're a really notable collector and you're, you're known to the big auction houses, it really holds little value because there's no easy way to verify what you got was real. I, I know this from firsthand experience. I've worked, you know, the first 10 years of my career were working with, you know, Major League Baseball teams, um, Super Bowls, World Series, uh, the US Open, the Australian Tennis Open. And through that time, myself and my colleagues were often gifted, signed, jerseys and balls from players but I'm not a notable collector it sits in a cupboard and I don't know what to do with it an NFT can verify that yes this is authentic Um, and so not only does that verification now give it more value than it had before it also makes it easier for me to list it and sell it because the blockchain smart contract means there's not all this legal paperwork that's necessary Um, it can just be done through a very simple smooth transaction online and I can find the new buyer much faster without having to go to a Christie's or a Sotheby's. The thing that I have had to talk to you a lot about and wrap my head around is this idea that a moment can be captured as an NFT. Can you explain it again? Because it certainly doesn't hurt me to hear it one more time. All right. Well, I'm going to give you a real example. Okay. So bear with me for a minute. Georgie, how much do you think the world's most expensive NFT sold for? Of anything, like sports, sport? sports NFT, sports NFT. What did it go for? Ten million. Seems like a lot. It, it, it seems excessive. It does, doesn't it? But nope, not ten million. Higher. Oh, that's ridiculous. What twenty million? <laughs> a little bit higher. Thirty. Okay, we can come down. It was a bargain. It was twenty one point six million US dollars. Oh, and- well, I was saying thirty in Australian dollars. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. You're right. Thirty. Thirty million. Aussie dollars. <laughs> still a bargain. It's still a bargain. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yes. So that was a moment. It was a picture of LeBron James in what they call a tomahawk dunk pose. And it was a photo taken when he was playing for the LA Lakers, of course. And that one photo was put into a moment, a time capsule through the NFT and then sold. And does LeBron James benefit from that token? Brilliant question. This is how like we can finally reward all kinds of fans and players. I mean, LeBron has a pretty decent contract, but you think about other rookies who may not. So in this instance, yes, the NFT came with exclusive non-commercial rights. So the owner of the NFT can't go and just suddenly put this on t-shirts and start selling it, but the owner can work with LeBron and they, if they agree together, they can put it in licensing deals. And then they both enjoy the benefits of royalties and any revenue and profits that come from it. Now, I'm going to explain further that this is actually quite historical because in the past we've had trading cards. So this is like a, a modern day trading card, the LeBron NFT. If you think about a Mickey Mantle, Mickey Mantle is an iconic American baseball player. And baseball cards are the most traded, and up until NFTs, the most valuable sports memorabilia that were, you know, quite prolific. Uh, Mickey Mantle played in seven World Series. He won all kinds of awards and games and championships. Like, let's just call him like top of his game for many, many decades. His trading card, a physical card, was sold at auction for $12 million. 
He didn't get any of that. Wow. Because it was created by another company and they sold it for a few dollars that was then traded through the years between private citizens and then finally found its way to an auction home and that's where it was sold. So before that, players actually couldn't own and control their name, image and likeness through these memorabilia products. Now they can. And I guess the only example or the only exception to that or where we started to see it change was when someone like Michael Jordan started working with Nike and creating a brand in collaboration with a big apparel company like Nike. That's when that would be, I guess, a starting point of when athletes started to benefit from their image and likeness being out there, would you say? It was, but only for selected athletes, which we know are predominantly male. And so male athletes were the ones that would be scooped up and sponsored and be lucky enough to get those once-in-a-lifetime partnership contracts. And that's a lot of lifting, a lot of marketing, and a lot of luck, you know, to be that one person. The NFTs are putting the power back into the athlete so they can decide. Anyone, athlete or citizen or fan, can launch an NFT and control their own destiny with your own name and likeness. So I think about for women's sports, this is the revolution we've been waiting for, to finally even the playing field or at least play catch up. I'm going to take you back to my a question earlier, you know, what's the most expensive sports NFT? Let's talk about the top 10 sports NFTs that have been sold. Who do you think might be on that? Well, LeBron. Yeah. Golfers. Surely yeah. a golfer. Yeah. Soccer players. Yes. Yes. Football players. Yep. Yep. Number one is Cristiano Ronaldo. Sorry, number two is Cristiano Ronaldo. But on that list, and this is the first time in sports for a top 10 list in sports, there's a woman. No way. Yes. Alex Morgan. So she's from the US national soccer team and she's a really big deal. And you're telling me that she doesn't make it on a top 10 income earners, but she makes it on a top 10 NFT list. Absolutely. Mm Mm-hmm. So is this going to change, is this going to lift women's sport up in a way that we haven't seen before? Absolutely. It just gives them power to own what they've not been able to own. They've had to wait for media, wait for brands, wait for sponsors to give them the platform and the compensation. Now they can just build it themselves. Wow. This is so interesting and it's got so much potential. Why aren't we seeing this everywhere already? We're human. Humans are resistant to change. We're just wired that way. If we go back in time a little bit, you know, a million years ago to 2007, (laughs) you know, I'm working at IMG and my clients are athletes like Tiger Woods, Roger Federer, uh, models, Heidi Klum, Kate Moss. And I'm explaining to their team and their agents, there's this thing called social media, Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) and you're going to want to get in on it. And what was their reaction when you said that to them? Hell no. Really? This is a scam. It's a fad. This is dangerous. It's a liability. We can't have the talent comment and communicate directly to the audience. We'll shut out sponsors. This is just going to be a nightmare. Absolutely no. So how did you talk those big name athletes and Hollywood superstars around into adopting this new technology, which back then was Facebook? It definitely took time. It took a few use cases uh, and they all step quite cautiously into the space. And look, history is repeating itself. The same thing applies here. We also have to remember back then, it was also a little clunkier, like anything new in tech. It also requires 
the experience for the consumer to be faster and more streamlined. Back in 2007, not everybody had iPhones then. They were out. They were certainly growing. They were brand new though. They were like, exactly. if you had an iPhone, you were pretty hot property. Exactly. So you were only using Facebook when you were at a computer, which meant at a desk and not even laptops were that prevalent. I mean, people still had true desktops that they were were powering on and off as you went to the office or came home every day. So, you know, it it took some consumer behavior to change as well as the sponsors and the talent changing. It just, they they need to be in sync a little bit more. And we're in that phase too. The, The magic powers of Web3 are developing. We've got the curiosity of athletes and teams really peaking, but we need to have the consumer experience be less clunky and be more of a seamless experience that ties into their existing behavior. So who's doing this well, Michelle? We're seeing a few different use cases. Uh, Not everyone is just jumping in doing the same thing um, because teams versus athletes versus leagues are seeing the power unfold differently. One example would be Man City, the soccer team. Uh, They dropped their first ever NFT collection to commemorate their 2020-2021 championship win. And they basically airdropped, which means just gave, uh, this NFT to all their fans. Fans could collect it. And in doing so, they're basically verifying a very loyal group of supporters in that moment, like a time capsule of who was there supporting, cheering, and being a part of this community. And once they've issued those NFTs, they now can really group that audience together and keep providing and unlocking different benefits like a merch collection, free tickets, discounted tickets, unique experiences in the game to watch training, uh, to get content behind the scenes. They can verify and reward a very select, defined audience. It's really clever too because they haven't asked people to pay in order to adopt the technology. They've literally selected a a group that they already have and know and just given them something to get them started on this journey with NFTs. And it's brilliant because what they're doing is they're essentially arming their army of fans with things to spread the message, the logo for the team further. People are then sharing that content that they got. They feel like an insider because, hey, I've got this NFT. I got this insider look at what's going on at training. Let me share this on socials. I feel like I'm totally in with the team and it just keeps perpetuating this love of the, of the, of the team, the fan, uh, beyond the immediate circle. Where else? NBA. The NBA has uh, rolled out some pretty cool technology where you can be sitting at home watching the game with your friends and with a really simple download of an app, you can scan your body just using your iPhone camera and then you can select the player in the game as it's happening that you want your body to replace. And now you're sitting there watching you in the game, dunking, scoring, celebrating. It's just a way to like literally put you on the court uh, through this virtual reality capability. That's incredible. I can absolutely see that happening when it came to big sports in Australia like NRL and AFL where grand finals and and being involved in those big matches is like a cultural experience and to be able to put yourself up on the TV 
while you're watching it, people would be thrilled to be able to do that. I mean, imagine you've got the grand final, you've got all your mates are coming over and you all pick a player and now you're just watching your friends take on, you know, <laughs> New South Wales or whatever it is. And it's it's you guys up on the screen. That's uh, yeah. incredible. Okay, and are there any other examples? Yes. So there's a platform called So Rare and So Rare is taking basically fantasy football to the next level. So you pick five NFT trading cards of players that you want and those NFTs are playing as the real performance of these players in the game unfolds and it tracks their performance collectively. You can win and lose based on real-time actual results And in doing so, if you've got high scores, if your team is doing well, instead of you just being at the top of the points rally in your group and having bragging rights, your NFT group now has a value that you can trade. You can trade, buy, sell, and create new value from your genius gameplay of your fantasy team. That is wild. It just creates ownership, verified ownership. And when you have the ability to verify things, you have the ability to assign value to it. And then as a fan, that value could come in all kinds of forms. It could be revenue. It could be reward points. It could be access Access. to merch, games, tickets. And it's a way then for teams to look through the blockchain and see who's killing it here in our, you know, different platforms and how can we reward them more. Michelle, this is all so interesting and I'm particularly fascinated about the piece where athletes start to have control over their their value and their worth. It's it's just something that can really change particularly how females engage in this industry. Thank you so much for hopping on the Sports Social. Where can people find you? Thank you so much. I love talking about the space and seeing where it goes. I I learn myself. Uh, You can find me at what.now.show on Instagram and at Michelle J. Reeves on Instagram and Twitter. And also don't forget to go and listen to Michelle's podcast, What Now?, where she interviews some of the world's most incredible people about where Web3 technology is going to take things. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Sports Social. We so enjoy bringing you these episodes. And if you have a friend who you think would enjoy these sports chats, please share it with them and let them know about us. And we absolutely love receiving your feedback and your reviews. It totally lights us up. If you are enjoying this kind of sports content, head over to our Instagram page at The Sports Social Podcast. Otherwise, we will chat to you next week. Bye. Bye.